Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Today's episode is brought to you by Lexum Press. Visit the Lexum Press website to receive 30% off of Andreas Kostenberg's latest, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. To purchase your copy, simply go to lexumpress.com slash product slash 194954 slash 1st-2nd-Timothy-and-Titus evangelical slash biblical slash theology slash commentary to order your copy for 30% off today. Welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me, I have the privilege of welcoming back Dr. Welton. Dr. Welton, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. Dave, it's a delight to be back with you and to talk with you today. Yes, sir. Well, can you uh, just catch us up on what's been happening in your life, marriage, ministry, and what ministry projects you're working on? Well, probably a lot of things going on. I'm, I'm continuing my teaching at uh, Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, now into my 22nd year. So that's that's um, a long time. I'm enjoying uh, my 35th year of marriage, and my five uh, children that uh, we greatly enjoyed are basically adults. So uh, four of them are out of the house, and one of them is finishing up uh, nursing school at university a couple hours away, and um, we're looking forward to our first uh, grandchild in in uh, December of, of 2020, and uh, so uh, that's a gracious gift from the Lord, and looking forward to that sort of new part of our life. So, you know, ministry here at the seminary, um, uh, family continues to grow. Three of the five are now married, and uh, so we're, we're enjoying that stage of life. And, and uh, you know, ministry projects continue with teaching. Uh, I do have um, next year, 2021, a year sabbatical that the seminary is graciously granted and uh, really working on to finish uh, my systematic theology that um, has been in the works for a while, but now I've got to bring it to fruition. So that's my big project plus, you know, other little things on the side. You definitely do stay very busy and congratulations on your grandchild. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, can you uh, tell us about this uh, book that you have coming out here soon, The Person of Christ, Introduction? Why'd you write it and how do you hope it'll be received? Well, I wrote it uh, to be really a kind of companion to the larger volume that uh, I wrote back in, in 2016, uh, God the Son Incarnate. And, and this whole series with Crossway is, is I'm, I'm really thrilled about it because uh, it's a short study theology. So, you know, sometimes people uh, aren't able to read the larger books. They, they, they get bogged down in them. Uh, and, and this one here, uh, in a very short you know, span, um, is able to get in the hands of, of many more people. 
people. Of course, you're dealing with similar content, but it, it's cast in such a way that I'm hoping that uh, many more people will will read it. Uh, it'll be at the level of you know maybe even some Bible studies, uh, pastors, certainly students, but uh, you know younger folk, uh, teenagers, college age, so that uh, they're able to think carefully uh, about who Christ is. And 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 the, and the book itself is primarily dealing with who Jesus is, uh, the nature of the incarnation. Obviously, it gets into you know a little bit of, of Christ's work, but really uh, the fact that Jesus. Christ uh, is Lord, that he is uh, the eternal Son of God, who is fully God and fully man, God the Son incarnate, and, and, and giving the, the biblical grounds, giving the historical grounds, and really helping people think theologically uh, about the nature of the incarnation. So that's why it's written. I mean, ultimately, the goal is uh, to glorify Christ, to have people know him more, to love him, trust him more. Uh, there's nothing more important. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think this series along with the series and biblical studies it's it's just so important for the reason that you said because so many people don't even know what these what these things mean and you're like they won't even tell you that they don't know but but they need the these kind of types of resources so that they can you know learn in a safe way where they might be threatened to ask a question and uh then then you know the assumption is to them that they'll be looked down on because they should know and and so this this kind of resources fills that kind of need and i'm i'm very thankful for the this particular series so yeah yeah, I agree. yeah so well why is it so important that we have a solid biblical answer to the question who is jesus well, the answer to that is, is goes back to uh, uh, the Bible's presentation of Jesus, right? Uh, if Jesus is just, you know, another person of history, um, you know, that's important, right? All people are important, but that's not the reason to have the importance of Jesus, right? It's because of who he is. And the Bible's very clear that uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the man who uh, lived nearly 2,000 years ago and the man of history, is not just merely a human, but that he is uh, God the Son, the second person of the Godhead from all eternity, the divine Son, uh, who in space and time, right, think of John 1, uh, the Word, the Son, who was with God, who is God, who's the very nature with the Father and Spirit, uh, became flesh, and uh, he took our humanity upon himself in order to become our Redeemer. Uh, so that why is it absolutely important to get right who Jesus is? Because life and death end on it, right? So you think of uh, uh, John 17, 3, where the Lord Jesus will, in prayer to the Father, will say, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who now has sent. So to not know who Jesus is, is not to know uh, the God of Scripture. It's not to know our Creator. It's not to know our Redeemer. It's not to know the Lord of the universe. Uh, it is to, in the end, uh, to get him wrong is to get everything wrong. There's nothing more important in life, um, in this con this life and the life to come, than knowing who Jesus is. And, and there's many, many, many false Jesuses <laughs> running around. What we need to know is, is the Jesus of the Bible, who alone is Lord and Savior. And uh, that's what this book is, is trying to do. It's trying to lay out the biblical data. It's trying to see how the church has thought through all that Scripture says and to give you know a theological summary to say, this is who Jesus is. This is why eternal life is bound up with him. Faith in him alone uh, and that um, 
to not know him is ultimately you'll stand under his judgment. Uh, he is creator, he is Lord, he is redeemer. We must know him now uh, and bow the knee before him. So I mean, all of that is is why we must um, you know have a solid answer uh, to who Jesus is. And let me just add as well is is I'm sure you may have even discussed or you were well aware of of you know over the last six years or so that uh, Lifeway with the Southern Baptist Convention and Ligonier uh, have teamed together to have the State of Theology poll. And this has been done uh, 2014 and every two years um, thereafter. And, and we have the 2020 results. And, and what's so sad about what we're seeing is that when you put into their um, poll about those who identify with evangelical beliefs, and you realize that um, many people who identify with evangelicalism and evangelical beliefs have wrong views of Jesus, wrong views of Jesus that aren't just, you know, a little confusion here and there, but ultimately uh, not the Jesus of the Bible, uh, not the Jesus who can save, a Jesus of their own imagination, then we are in serious trouble and we desperately need faithful, biblical, theological explanation, uh, exposition. I mean, for instance, um, you know, you have you know 65% of those who identify with evangelicals thinking uh, a Jehovah's Witness or an old Aryan belief of Jesus that he is just the first and greatest created being. Uh, well, he has a human nature that came to exist, but he's the eternal son of God. Um, and, and to believe in him merely as a human, you do not have the Jesus of the Bible. And you do not have the salvation of the Bible. Or you have other 30% see him as just merely a great teacher and not God. Not God, right? Not God the Son. Well, uh, that's why question of getting right who Jesus is is so important because of who he is, uh, what he has done for us. There is no salvation apart from him, and to get him wrong is a matter of life and death. Yeah, that that's a really, really good answer. Um, you know, it kind of brings up the whole issue of, you know, the, many people think, well, Christians don't have a good answer to all these, all these attacks, and of course we know that we do, um, and I think this question will draw that out. How, how important is it that Christians have a, a just even a basic rudimentary understanding of, of what uh, happened at the Council of Chalcedon. Well, I mean, uh, the Council of Chalcedon, I mean, first, just, just in case, you know, uh, hearers don't know, was was really um, the fourth ecumenical council, so a universal council in the church. The church was united, no divisions at that point. And um, it laid down very, very clearly uh, who Jesus is. Um, uh, and, and from Scripture, right? It's very, very important to say that everything that the council is laying down in terms of theological who Jesus is, and of course the, the the summary answer is that he is God the Son incarnate. I mean that that's that's the answer that is that is ultimately given. Um, but they're working from Scripture. They're working from the Jesus of the Bible, explaining who he is. And, and it's important to know, um, you know, that which leads up to Chalcedon, and, and particularly the theology of, of Chalcedon, because the theology of Chalcedon, in creedal form, in doctrinal summary, in, in so what we say dogmatic formulation, captures the truth of the Jesus of the Bible. So you go back to what I just said before, to not know Jesus correctly is ultimately life and death. Uh, Council of Chalcedon is giving you uh, the exposition and theology of scripture that tells you who Jesus is. So the Council of Chalcedon is very, very important.
important and um, it gives us our orthodoxy. It gives us our proper belief. It gives us uh, the way that we should be thinking about Scripture because it's true to Scripture, right? So the creed and Scripture go uh, hand in hand at this point. Uh, how does uh, how does this, uh, the Council of Chalcedon, how does it help Christians today to respond to attacks on the person and the work of Jesus? Well, we help it first when you think of responding uh, to the attacks on Jesus. It's, it's first crucial to know what the Bible says and what the church has said from Scripture regarding who Jesus is. I mean, you'll find that a lot of attacks on Jesus are, are misunderstandings or ignorance of what even the Bible's view of Jesus is and, and what the church's confession of Christ is. So the first thing that Chalcedon uh, helps greatly is explaining in some reform what we even believe, right? what Scripture is actually teaching, so that in our responding to error, we are saying this is what the truth is, right? So if we are, you know, confused on those matters, then we won't even pick up the error that is out there, right? So so giving us a summary statement as to the Jesus of the Bible, the Christ of the Church, uh, the theology of, of who Jesus is. And then, of course, Chalcedon, in its careful, careful theological formulation, right? So it's working from Scripture, but it's also, what we say, um, um, making uh, theological judgments that are true to the Bible as to who Jesus is, introducing vocabulary to help clarify and to make sense of all that Scripture says. Theology, at its heart, uh, is really faith-seeking understanding. And when we try to receive the Scripture, in all of its teaching, that's receiving it by faith, we then seek to understand it and put the pieces together. And as Chalcedon has done this, they help us uh, respond to objections because they show why uh, our belief in who Jesus is is not contradictory, why it's coherent, why it makes sense, why uh, the affirmation that we're making that he is the eternal son who has become flesh is possible, uh, given you know the biblical teaching of the creator-creature distinction and uh, two natures, two natures in Christ versus a blended nature and, and this type of thing. So it's giving us the ability to say positively who Christ is. It's giving us the framework and categories to uh, counter misunderstandings and charges of incoherence and inconsistency. I mean, in all those ways, Chalcedon is, is helping us uh, both articulate and defend uh, who Jesus is from Scripture. Yeah, when you ask, uh, when you ask a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, who is Jesus? Jesus? My favorite question I ask, who is Jesus? The uh, I had one Jehovah's Witness in Idaho say, well, um, A, I don't believe the Bible that you believe. I was like, whoa, whoa. And I don't believe the Jesus that you believe or something like that. And I don't like these guys over here preaching hellfire and damnation to people because there was, you know, open air preachers preaching at that. And I was like, okay, well, and uh, I'm just out here telling people the truth. And I was like, well, um, sir, I just want you to know that, that doctrine matters and what you're preaching, uh, it really matters. And uh, unfortunately, you know, and then we went into that. And uh, uh, shortly thereafter, I walked away and uh, somebody else came and talked to him. I was like, hey, you should go talk to him. I told my friend, go talk to him. And he's like, he's like, oh, you're back. Well, pointing to me, he was, and I was like, 
all I did was ask you a question, sir. And uh, uh, so, but you know, they uh, they they think, you know, who is Jesus? What has he done? Um, the most important question that you can ask anybody. I I ask people here in in town uh, when they come up to me uh, and want to talk. Who do you think Jesus is? And they, and they'll tell me, and I'm like, well, let's have a talk about that. You know, because uh, what you said, uh, this is a little different than what the the Bible says. And oh, and I had a, a some guys tell me some multiple guys i want to i want to know that i want to know that jesus and i was like okay uh, hold on your pants then because we're gonna have a conversation about it and uh you know they were like wow i had no idea that was who jesus was i i had no idea that you know i thought like you said he's a good teacher or a good person or a moral philosopher or an example to follow and it's like no he's fully god and fully man he's the savior who can make you clean and whole and and save you from your sins and wash you anew in the righteous in, in his perfect righteousness so amen now that's what we have to do and then you know clear up i mean uh, misunderstandings because uh jesus as the eternal son of god right uh the second person of the godhead is also with the father and the creator of all these people right and they are responsible to him uh and they need to know who it is that has made them and ultimately the hope that they can find in him otherwise they will stand under his judgment so we have to make that very very clear to people yeah what does a theology from below versus a theology from above mean in reference to Christology? Yeah, those those terms are, are used in the book, and, and, and I have to carefully define them because people mean different things by them. I, I just mean them in a very straightforward way that's very, very important for um, reading of Scripture, doing of theology, and, and so on. But a theology from below would be uh, a theology that would be tied to what we know as the, the quest for the historical Jesus or those who follow uh, more liberal theology that is tied to a whole methodology, often historical criticism and so on. And, and this whole approach to theology is trying to figure out who Jesus is from below, that just simply means from historical critical construction, so down sort of uh, on this level or, or from the horizontal. It's not looking at who Jesus is from the standpoint of divine revelation, of God's word to us. Now, they're going to appeal to the Bible, uh, but just simply because you appeal to Scripture means nothing, right? Uh, it all depends on what you mean by the Bible and what you believe it to be and how you appeal to it. So everyone appeals to the Bible, but theology from below is, is reconstructing the Bible, coming to the Bible with some kind of outside or what I'd like to say extra textual grid or outside grid that you believe is more authoritative than the Bible and then imposing that on the Bible. So maybe you're you know, believing in the theory of evolution or something like that, that God is not the creator and, and uh, humans, you know, there was no historic Adam and thus sin looks differently. And you then read the Bible to justify that theology or that viewpoint. That's a theology from below. That's an extra textual reading. The theology from the Bible is what I think the church has done, sometimes not consistently, but this is what we should be doing, is that God makes himself known to us. It goes back to the creator-creature distinction. God is the creator and Lord, knows all things, plans all things, and we know him, yes, from creation and what he has made. That's what we call general revelation, but also from a word revelation. God speaks to us. He spoke to us in the garden. 
before the fall, right? So he gives us a word revelation of himself, and we have that word revelation in Scripture. So theology from above is starting from the standpoint of God's revelation of himself. Yes, in creation, but more significantly in Scripture. And Scripture unfolds God's plan. It unfolds uh, who we are, what our problem is. Ultimately, in the case of Christ, who Christ is, who Jesus is. And uh, so to do a theology from above is to understand the Jesus of the Bible uh, from the Bible's own presentation, its own categories, its own authority. And then we say, this is what the Bible says who Jesus is. And then we expound that. We theologize about that in the sense of what Chalcedon has done. And we defend that and we proclaim him um, as Lord. And that, that's the difference between a theology from below versus of theology from above. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really, really, really good. Um, how does uh, understanding the storyline of the Bible help us to know Jesus? Well, I mean, you have to have, you know, given, I mean, really building on what I've just said in terms of the theology from above, we, we do our theology from uh, divine revelation, what God has said about himself. Yes, that revelation ties to history and so on, so we're not denying the reality of history, but, but Scripture itself is God's word through human authors that uh, describes not only gives us God's plan and unfolds that plan, but gives us the information, the categories, framework, the structures uh, to understand that plan, right? And of course, Scripture presents Christ as the center of God's plan, that he is the eternal son, the word made flesh, that all of history is, uh, you know, the world is created by him, sustained by him, it's, it's a triune relations, but through the son, father through son by spirit, creates, sustains, rules, the son comes as our redeemer and redeems us. So the whole Bible is necessary to understand who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't come to us. The Jesus of the Bible does not come to us out of the blue. It doesn't come to us in a vacuum. It doesn't come to us, um, you know, sort of brand new, just isolated from the revelation of God that God has already given. And so when we talk about the storyline, we're talking about a whole Bible presentation, which means Old Testament to New Testament. The Jesus of the Bible is rooted and grounded in the Old Testament. This is why you, know, you get very concerned with evangelical pastors um, and I, I'll mention him, uh, you know, the Stanley, Andy Stanley, and individuals like this who do not think that the Old Testament is really, you know, he's embarrassed by it. He doesn't know how to deal with it. Uh, it almost isolates Christ and his resurrection from it. Well, let me tell you, Jesus in the New Testament cannot be understood apart from the Old. You cannot even have the theological categories to understand who Jesus is. The most fundamental category is creator-creature distinction. The plan of God that starts in creation, the role of Adam. Uh, Christ takes on our humanity. Why? Well, you've got to go back to Adam and develop the Adam last Adam uh, connection in, in Scripture, the covenantal unfolding, the promises as they unfold. Just think of how the New Testament begins in Matthew chapter 1. Jesus is the seed of David, the seed of Abraham, uh, the offspring of both of those. Well, that assumes that you know something about Abraham and David from the Old Testament. Why are they significant? Well, they're tied to covenantal promises that go all the way back to creation. All of Christology is built off of Old Testament categories. 
so that it presupposes the creator-creature distinction, but then even the language of the Son of God is developed across the canon, uh, first at the human level, and then takes on the very identity of God and the prophets, or Son of Man, or Son of David, or Seed of Abraham, or Last Adam, or Prophet-Priest-King, but we often describe Christ's work. These are rooted in a whole Bible. If you don't have the storyline of the Bible, you will not understand the Jesus of the New Testament, you'll not understand what he's come to do. Even the inauguration of the kingdom is built off of Old Testament teaching. He comes to bring the forgiveness of sins is tied to the promise of the New Covenant in the Old Testament. So to understand the reason for the eternal Son's coming, uh, to understand the incarnation, to provide the very rationale for it, to have the very theological framework and categories to understand who Christ is you need the whole storyline, you need the whole Bible. Um, and when we're talking about storyline, we're not just trying to historicize you know, these things. We're trying to say we need divine revelation. We need how God has presented himself, revealed himself across time, uh, which is a progressive revelation that culminates in Christ. All of that is necessary to understand who he is. If you take Jesus out of the Bible, you have no Jesus of the Bible anymore. And uh, we have need you know, to place him within uh, the storyline of scripture. That's why, that's why you need it. Yeah, that's really, really good. I, I'm just reminded as you're talking about John 6, right? You search the scriptures because they tell tell about Jesus. Luke 24, the whole, you know, he's, he sits there and is talking to them from the law and the prophets and how the whole Bible, you know, centers on him. And he opens in Luke 24 their eyes and interprets the scriptures to them so that they can, what? They can understand. And then what does he do? He, you know, we know he leaves leaves them there uh with with that understanding and that's just so so important because you know when we 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 began this talking about the question who is jesus and we've moved into talking about what he's what he's done you know and that as you said earlier that demands a response you know and when jesus (laughs) even in that same chapter uh at the towards the end of john 6 what did people do when he was talking about that Uh, are you going to depart from me too no you what does peter say you have the words of of eternal life you know he's the only one that has life he's the only one that can give us what our soul needs and the whole bible that tells us that whole story as you just so wonderfully said yes of the very rationale for the incarnation. Why has the Son of God become flesh? To even speak of an incarnation, to even speak of two natures, to speak of uh, the second person of the Godhead becoming flesh and having two natures, all of those are built on the, on the theology, framework, categories, and structure of the Bible. And uh, you cannot, you must not, and you cannot isolate texts and uh, take them out of the whole Bible's presentation. Right? This is a fundamental mistake. And when you do that, uh, you just make the Bible be anything you want it to be. It's not meant to be that. It's God's revelation, and it comes to us to be read and to be put together, to be understood. And the Jesus of the Bible comes to us in a very specific way. Uh, and that's how we understand who he is and what he does and why it's, he's important. And apart from that, really, we, again, we just don't have the Jesus of the Bible. Amen, brother. How can uh, Christians recover the centrality of Christ in our day? Well, I'm afraid. 
phrase, right? We we give lip service to the centrality of Christ, but I, I'm very deeply concerned that uh, he's really not that central. Um, evidence of this, right, is is the polls that we mentioned before. Obviously, there's huge amount of confusion, right? So. You know, maybe maybe it's just people misunderstood the questions and got them wrong. But I would say it's a deeper problem, right? We're not we're not spending time knowing what Scripture says about who Jesus is, what He has done. Uh, even our preaching and teaching is focusing on the horizontal. You know, uh, the flourishing of life, uh, your marriage. All those things are good, good, good. But it's not central, and and so we're losing the centrality of the glory of Christ and really tied to the glory of the triune God um, and knowing the Son in relation to the Father and Spirit. We live in an age that uh, is seeing increased lack of biblical understanding and certainly theological understanding. And my concern is, is that we, even as the evangelical church, we have we confess, you know, our belief in these things, even though these polls are showing that we don't even get that right. Uh, but we confess the belief in Christ, his centrality. But really what consumes us um, are all the moral issues of the day or cultural issues or social justice or all these things. And they all have their place in terms of implications, but they're not central. And if we do not live and act out of the centrality of the gospel and of what God is, who God is and what he's done for us and who Christ is, and we lose that, um, you know, we've, we've lost his centrality and everything will go off kilter. So how do we recover it? Well, uh, a faithful reading of scripture. We, we got to get people back into God's word. A faithful preaching and teaching, not just you know um, you know your pet passages here, but working through exposition. You can't read the New Testament without speaking about Christ and laying out uh, His glory and who He is. You go through the Gospel of John faithfully. I mean, well, the, even the opening chapter, first eighteen verses, you've got all of your Christology right there. We then have to teach people how to not only do exposition, but to think theologically, right? To think about, um, you know, what the church has said and to bring that to bear even in our exposition. And what we really need to recover the centrality of Christ, really we need God by his grace, uh, by the work of the Spirit to revive the church. We are in serious trouble and we need revival. We need the, the, the Spirit of God to bear witness to Christ. We need to get on our knees and to pray and to call out to him and and what that will bring uh, if that happens right is is that there will be christ will be central as we see our need of a redeemer the problem is most people think they're fine in and of themselves that uh, they don't need a savior even that lifeway poll and, and ligonier poll that i mentioned uh, you know you have a statement such as everyone sins a little but most people are good by nature if 46 percent of evangelical are affirming we're all we're all basically good by nature well if you believe that which many people do you don't need a savior you don't need a redeemer you don't need god the son to take on our humanity you don't need an incarnation that leads to a cross and a resurrection you think you're good enough yourself but the truth of the matter is you're not so how do we recover the centrality we through preaching teaching uh through the reviving work of the spirit uh we have the conviction of the spirit that we are lost apart from a, of, of, of a savior and christ is glorious when we see our incredible need of him and what god has done that's how we recover the centrality of christ and it starts in our local churches in the 
preaching of the gospel, it starts in our families, where we take seriously uh, the raising of our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It takes uh, to take place in our lives when we shed ourselves of all the nonsense that we so consume us and uh, pick up our Bibles and pick up sound theology and read uh, the glorious presentations of, of Christ and his cross. That's how we recover the centrality of Christ for the church. Amen, brother. Amen. Probably the, the number one issue in my email box and even on social media that I get privately is how can I really know that my sins are forgiven? How can I really know that I have assurance of salvation? And, and everything that you just said answers that particular issue. How you want to be washed of your of your sins. You got to know and have a sound and right and biblical understanding of Jesus like we're like we're talking about here. That That's the only way that you can have assurance of and forgiveness of your of your sins that know that when you go when you die you're gonna go to heaven not because of your own righteousness and your own merits but solely because of the righteousness of jesus in your place um so well and, and all the ailments i think we're seeing in the evangelical church the division that we, i mean it is it is unbelievable the division in the american church and the evangelical church the solution is christ the solution is the proclamation of the gospel in the face of the glory of the lord jesus what he has done uh seeing that he is the exclusive all-sufficient savior he's all you need i mean that's going to heal all of these disunities that we have and all of these you know this talk about reconciliation i mean we need to first be reconciled to god and then we can see how that affects our neighbor and brother and sister in christ in the church we need to preach christ and stop going down the paths that people are going uh and then certainly consuming themselves with all of the you know legitimate sort of entailments but they don't consume themselves with christ and i tell you if we face tough times in the future we're going to need to glory in Christ, to rest in him, to find in him what the early church found as they faced suffering and persecution. Christ is enough. And uh, that is what we have to recapture. That's what we need to ground into our very beings and souls individually and as our local churches. And that's the only hope for us. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, where can people go to find out more about your work online, either on social media or otherwise? Yeah, well, I haven't been a great social media guy, um, uh, but, you know, you can... Uh, you know, wherever I go, usually on Sermon Audio, or you can look up my name, or, you know, there's YouTube videos. So, you know, as I've gone around and, and spoken in a number of places and churches and so on, that all gets posted. So I don't have a specific channel, but uh, you find that by searching names. I mean, books and so on. I mean, you go to Amazon and other places, uh, pick up some of the things that I've written, and, and um, you know, in there you find bibliography in terms of articles and so on. I, I The editor of our Southern Baptist Theological Journal, so I write editorials, you know, every every issue that comes out and, and articles have been published, you know, theology articles and other articles on the Gospel Coalition or Nine Marks or, you know, a couple of articles on Desiring God. I, I'm doing a series on the atonement um, uh, with a Canadian publisher, uh, hesedenemet.com, um, uh, and uh, so you can go there, uh, the two Hebrew words put together uh, from the Old Testament, uh, Exodus 34. So, you know, those are some of the places and and that's probably the best way uh come to the seminary and uh take courses uh whether it's 
online or, or, or you know, modular or in person. Uh, that's another way of getting a hold of uh, you know daily work as I as I seek to teach and, and you know try to be uh, faithful in in raising up another generation to preach Christ. Amen, brother. Well, you know, Doctor Wallen, there's a lot that we could really dive into, and just as we wrap up this conversation, can you give our listeners a few takeaways? Well, I mean, the, t- the, t- the takeaways is uh, we need as the church to recapture uh, biblical knowledge, fidelity, and theological faithfulness. Those two go hand in hand. And, uh, and what we need more than anything else, I mean, every doctrine is important. I mean, obviously, even to speak about who Christ is, you, you're, you're dealing with the whole doctrine of God, of who God is as the triune God and the Son of God becoming flesh. But but we have to, um, I think, in our day and age, more than anything else, is recapture the glory of Christ. That uh, we see ourselves as, as lost, that He is our only hope, that we rejoice in Him, and out of our uh, faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, we live, we act, we live as the church, counterculture in the world. Uh, we don't follow the ways of the world, but we follow what God has uh, revealed for us, and especially we do so to be uh, faithful, to make every thought captive to Christ, to uh, to challenge unbelieving thought in light of Him, because He's the source and standard of truth, and uh, to live our lives for His glory and for His honor. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, I so appreciate your your ministry. You're very thoughtful and careful. Uh, uh, theologian and uh, deeply I deeply appreciate you sir so thank you well, so much thank you very much I appreciate it thank you I'd like to thank Lexham Press for sponsoring today's episode don't forget to visit the Lexham Press website at lexhampress.com slash product slash one nine four nine five four dash one dash two dash timothy dash and dash titus dash evangelical dash biblical dash theology dash commentary to receive 30 percent off of dr kostenberger's commentary first and second timothy and titus thank you for listening to the equipping you and grace podcast if you enjoyed it please subscribe rate us on the app and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.